Hello there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man. This is the third volume of our Tough Enough series, where we're going back and looking at all of season one of Tough Enough. This episode in question is going to cover episodes seven, eight, and nine. It's all available on the network, but I strongly suggest you go back and check out volumes one and two. They're in season three. They're earlier on in the timeline. Do check them out first, because we make constant reference to stuff that's happened and we assume that you've already listened to them. Hey, want to give a little quick shout out. If you are in London on the 15th of September and you want to support your boys at the Attitude Era podcast you can because we're coming right at you with our second ever live show at the London Podcast Festival in the beautiful King's Place Theatre in sunny London in the UK. We'll be taking to the stage and talking about all the times that wrestling has crossed into the mainstream after the late 90s. You're going to expect Billy Gunn and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Stone Cold Steve Austin Dilbert, The Undertaker on Poltergeist Legacy and Bob Holly in that movie starring Bob Holly and Ron Perlman. Yes, we're going to track it down and we're going to be talking about it all and much more, as well as meeting all of our lovely fans live in London on the 15th of September. Tickets are less than £10. You get a discount if you buy three or more. And hey, if you want more wrestling on the day, I'll be doing double duty like Seth Rollins as I hoist the whole festival on my back as I present How To Wrestling for their live show alongside Joe that'll be taking place earlier on in the day. But there's a whole lot of other great content there. It is the premiere of the premiere. You're going to see the likes of Paul F. Tompkins, Plumbing the Death Star, and one of the McElroy brothers is even going to be there. It's seriously going to be the best podcast festival this beautiful island has ever seen. And if you want to support the show, tickets are available now from kingsplace.co.uk. Come see your best pals, support the show, but for now, enjoy the show. It's time for Tough Enough, volume number three. Tough Enough, volume number three. Hello, everyone. Once again, it's me, Cowboy Kevin Mann, going through all of season one of the seminal, oft-forgotten, but never really run dragged through the coals like this in such detail, the reality show from WWF. We've done two volumes already. You not checked us out? Go check them out. I am joined first, as always, by Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello, Adam. Hello. How are you doing? Sore. Sore. Taking big bumps. Painkillers. Mm. You doing it the way I want it to be done? Big fucking deal. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, you excited to talk about some more Tough Enough? No. What's wrong? It's not fun anymore. Oh, no. Oh, it's sad. It was in the sh- this, this is still all right, though, right? Oh, I like, I like, no, no, I've gone, I've gone off podcasting. It's not fun not anymore. Not in front of Billy. <laughs> I hate it when woman does fun. Are you two getting a divorce? That's it. Back to County Westmeath. <laughs> so, um, not fun anymore. And maybe you want to elaborate before people go well I'm not listening to this fuck it there like if you're not having a good time <laughs> all I mean is that Tough Enough is a miserable show <laughs> like it's really upsetting you know what actually I will say I, I may have spoken in, uh, a bit ahead of myself there kind of got people thinking oh well if you didn't enjoy it then, then I'm turning it off but there is, I want to say a subset, I'm going to say a sizable chunk of our audience. A huge majority of our audience. <laughs> it's basically like snuff oh, podcasts. They enjoy like... it, I'll turn it up. <laughs> hey everybody, come in. <laughs> they really didn't like this one. And to my left, most questionably, the least likely man to have a red tag in his locker on the planet. I'm oh, talking wow. about Billy Keeble. Hey Billy. Hello, I would well win tough enough. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, would. I'd see some things, get some dings, get, get through, though. <laughs> Some dings. 
I mean, You're getting a bit dingy in the room. <laughs> Billy Gable, who is going to take all the issues of concussions as seriously as WWE did at this point in oh, time, man. I guess. You know. <laughs> How about you? Are you still having fun watching Tough Enough? I mean, Adam, you said you weren't having fun, but spoiler alert, Josh does get a flute. <laughs> I don't see how he can't have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he, they go on holiday and he gets a flute. So I'm, 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 I'm game. The, the the second and third episodes not so much fun. No, I will admit that. I think we can admit at this point in time, much like WWE failed to admit that this show has not panned out the way that it was initially meant to be panned out. I say in jest to you about finding a red tag in your locker. What's happened like twice, has it? Yeah. In this whole yeah. fight? It's nearly over now. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get eliminated in this show. You want, you're not healthy enough to be eliminated yeah. by, by odds of things. And it's like, I mean, let's just talk about the cast of characters where we are at the moment. We've had some eliminations. We've had some heartbreak. Those who are left are either those who are good enough or stubborn enough or like, Lucky enough. Lucky enough, I guess. At this point, we're maybe at the halfway mark. Episode 13 is when this all ends. We're going to start with episode number seven. Who are your hot picks at the moment, Adam? Who's impressing you? Who's getting on your nerves? I think the only people that are still sort of on track to do well in the competition are Maven, Josh. At the start of this point, Greg... Mm. Taylor and Nydia like mm. and everyone else just sort of seems like yeah you're doing well like we've got rid of all the real jokes in the yeah. group now these guys are all at least wanting to do this there's no one that's here just for to be on reality TV no anymore. one here could land it on their head anymore like no it's we've got rid of the worst of the worst but even still there's guys and girls here who are blatantly like yeah you're not actually going to go any further though are you like, anyone really getting on your on your nerves though at the moment Chris Nowinski fucking <laughs> <laughs> by far like he in these three episodes we're looking at today he's just suddenly fucking turned he's just become a massive ass like king, you... king, proper king hunter like he is he's, he's a, a, a a regal vibe to his, his prickishness yeah. some could say you're looking at Kendrick Lamar's rap genius <laughs> page later to try and figure out what the fuck you're on about <laughs> uh, Billy lay it down for me who are the Bill's picks at this moment in time oh 100% Greg's gonna win this thing you reckon yeah um, like, like honestly like Greg is objectively the best I would say him well, what Maven. makes him the best though because I mean he's got he's got a hell of a body on him this Greg kid you know he, he's, he's got the look he's got the passion and the drive and he's got the I'd probably say the ability the most he's mm. the most athletic apart from maybe say Maven I'm going to come at you right now uh, and see what, what anyone else thinks with this he's not got the killer instinct no. that is necessary to make it they call it professional wrestling not professional friendsling. That almost makes him more perfect to win, though, because, like, he, I agree with you. At this point, it's sort of like all the things that you know WWF are after, their criteria, Greg definitely is the one that fits the bill the most. Mm. And the fact that he's, like, not quite the most motivated or charismatic is almost like, well, yeah, WWF probably would go with someone like him. Then. He is. He's, like, he's kind of like a bit of an underdog story, mm-hmm. too. I guess we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, same question as I asked Adam. Who's getting on your chops? Nowinski. Nowinski. What a prick. What, what is it that he's doing? Because I'm, I'm going to come at you guys and see what you reckon with this. Nowinski, who, as one pointed out at the start, he has more wrestling training than anyone else in this. He probably knows more about wrestling. Maybe Josh is more of a you know fanboy or whatever. Yeah. But I think Nowinski is kind of is the closest to understanding of the business of professional wrestling. Yeah. I think he's playing himself a bit of a heel role 
and kind of trail that to maybe distance himself or put himself in a different category than Josh and Maven because I think it's very much a, a neck and neck and neck with those three in many ways. Mm. What do you think? Is he playing a character? There's something about it that makes me say no, that he is at this time in his life just that prick he's too subtle is he it's plausible <laughs> i get what you're saying and like people go on reality tv shows with like a game plan all the time like yeah like nasty nick yeah. brought that mobile exactly, phone didn't exactly. he it's plausible he stuck it up his arse didn't he <laughs> <laughs> but it was like jurassic park 3 you could hear it ringing as he was going around the house <laughs> It's the best Jurassic Park, isn't it? Objectively the best. But I, I, I don't think he is playing a game because, like, he's just generally being unpleasant to his fellow housemates and not really making it a nice place for him to be in. Like, I think he feels vindicated in the past few episodes because the likes of Daryl have been shown the door and he's kind of like, ha professionalism will win out in the mm. end. I do feel like he's turning up the dial a little bit, but I don't know. We go through incident by incident... I realise watching this show, when you watch this and like any reality show, but I think this one, because the characters are quite raw, I think you can watch this and depending on your kind of upbringing or the kinds of experiences you've maybe had socially, you can read into what a lot of these people are doing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is totally a pressure cooker, hot box situation mm-hmm. to get all these people on each other's nerves. And I don't even think WWE realise... I think that I think WWF like stood ass backwards into gold in this, like yeah. not realizing they set up this to be one thing. It's turned into be something else completely different, but it's compelling as fuck. It's almost like MTV didn't tell them what would happen, yeah, knowing fully well what would happen because they knew it would make them, they would get the ratings and stuff. WWE wanted one thing, and MTV were like rubbing their hands together, saying, "You have no idea what you're in for." Well, don't forget it is MTV's tough enough, yeah. as they always say. Like, yeah. So they are the ones really calling the shots. I think WWE have been given the illusion of control. Yeah. Whereas I think, do they come off quite bad overall? Because we're going to get into some of these episodes here now, but it certainly doesn't make professional wrestling seem like the uh, kind of smiles and fun industry that... I mean, as a kid, as I said before, this really put me off yeah. any ideas or dreams of being a wrestler. I don't think WWE comes off badly. But I think, like you said, wrestling, professional wrestling comes off badly. The business. Mm. What what WWE shows of itself, I think, is fairly positive. And when it is negative, it explains why. Like when you have the wrestlers saying, you know, there are aspects to the business that are bad, but here is why it is worth it. Mm. Or here is why you go through those struggles. I think WWE itself and and the wrestlers who come and make appearances come off well for the most part. Um, <laughs> I like your qualifying phrase. <laughs> I accept your qualifying phrase, and I anticipate more qualifying phrases. I just reckon it's about the times because I think by today's standards, WWF comes off quite poor here. It looks like a bit of a horrible workplace and not a very nice job to have. But I think back in the early two thousands, this would have come off more like, "Oh yeah, look how fucking hard it is." Like they would have liked how rough WWF came off. I think because that's helping that image of being real and not fake. Taz- loves this oh Taz just fucking loves the agony and the sword like yeah like. Bob Holly season 2 coach like, damn sign me up yeah I like this it's horrible <laughs> well we might as well get ready let's get into episode 7 of Tough Enough yeah, banana, banana, banana. the unplugged theme it is like <laughs> I see my fantasy and them and crossfade with Fred Durst <laughs> <laughs> 
Episode number seven, Bahamas or Bust. It is a rule all the classic anime has to have a beach episode. Tough Enough Season 1 is no exception. It is the greatest anime of all time. Uh, Josh Matthews is very sore, but surprise twist, everyone's sore. Hey! What's the sorest you've ever been? <laughs> oh wow! Laying it on me there. What's Fucking the sorest you've ever been? Between two, between two ferns here, like yeah. some serious questions. Oh, Billy, questions. Billy's between two crawlers. <laughs> but yeah, what's the sorest you've ever been? Uh, what, would you say it was your when you broke your leg? I know, no, no, I asked you first. I'm stalling for time. Okay, this is a big fucking okay, question. Okay, okay, fine. We'll, we'll, um, we'll go against the round table rules of anti-clockwise and go into the middle of the round table. <laughs> I, I, th- I think it wasn't the breaking of the leg or being in the cast. But it was after the cast being taken off and my muscles had atrophied. So oh. long-time listeners of the podcast will know that uh, episode four of King of the Ring 1998 was delayed yeah. because Billy chased a shoe. Yeah, I yeah. chased a shoe and broke my leg. I'd say, yeah, I didn't know, what's the source here of it? It's when you chase that shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so your muscle atrophy, yeah, explain my, what happens. My leg got all thin because obviously I was completely off it for three months. So my left leg was just tiny compared Look like a little weird, like drawn on leg. Oh, just trying to build. It was like a little stick leg, like and like. (laughs) And then because because all of the muscle and the uh, and and the let's face it, fat had gone. (laughs) The um the all the metal in my leg, it was pressing against the skin against from the inside the whole time so i was trying to build up muscle again oh as well as having all of the metal coming out of me and that was uh, uncomfortable for a good six months as i built up muscle again adam sorest you've ever been i reckon this was about 2014 maybe i think i remember it was when we were recording we'd started the podcast it was really icy in lincoln and it was when we were doing Fully Loaded 98 because we were recording in the recording studio in the university. The first and the last time we recorded yeah. in the studio. And I was walking to meet you guys there and it was very icy and I slipped on the ice, <gasps> landed on my side first of all and then went sliding forwards face first into a lamppost. Oh shit, God! I had like a small fracture in my nose and my I face. I remember you were all beat up looking when we recorded and that. I had like worked overtime that week so I was tired. I was meant to be going on a, like a small holiday trip to France to visit someone and I just found out I couldn't get the time off work. Oh, Jesus, guys. And then I'd like thought that I'd broken my nose on the way to record with you guys to do fucking Fully Loaded Which was a miserable show, and by yeah, the you way. you listen to the first 45 minutes of that podcast and I'm proper like, yeah, what to say about this? <laughs> it was like, I think it was you saying Slayable that like yeah. really sort of perked me back <laughs> up the again. the coffee like. that he needed, like. <laughs> God, that's, you go, we got a tag team of emotional Emotionally and physical sore pain. and physically sore. That's yeah. a par- variety of pain right there as far as I'm concerned I'm trying to think though the sorest I've been I mean I'm pretty sure it comes from when I was mailman and when I was briefly a postman mm. uh, between jobs uh, over a Christmas period in Lincoln so that's like an overworked sore you mean oh it was like 
it was one, it was very like I'm gonna say it's very like a tough enough sort in that the, the the body was willing but the flesh was weak. You know, I wasn't actually able. I just I couldn't do it anymore. I did like five. You do five days in a row, and this is like during the peak of the overworked male. Like you know, the male strikes had happened a few mm-hmm. weeks before. I would go in for four or five in the morning. I'd get home maybe at seven at night. But I got paid per hour, and I was on a I was a temp. So if I worked extra hours or extra days, I just got more money, yeah. and I just quit a job and was making okay money doing this so I was like I'll take every shift going so I would like worked seven days where I worked like 13 or 14 hours it felt like and there was one of the last days like I had and it was like I had the option to go in or stay home and I was like no I'm gonna go in and I had gotten blisters all over like the underside of my feet and the back of my feet as well my feet were covered in blisters and what I would do is when the blisters would burst like at home or whatever I would because uh, I was very smart and in a great place mentally at the time I would douse my feet in uh, anti bacterial hand wash so they wouldn't get infected uh-huh. which is very much like if you've seen like a uh, first blood you <laughs> so I could like get up and do it the next day yeah. and there was like one day and I was like okay like it's like last day and I'll take a day off I won't go into tomorrow I'll go in today though and I got up and I went into to do it I felt my feet were so tender and I was really worried because you spent a few hours doing the the sorting and then you'd go out into the into the field with your mailbag and I remember walking on this like death march and my feet felt like crunchy because they were all dried up and I was like walking like mmm and all of a sudden both of my feet were wet and I realized like three or four blisters went and like my feet just like soaked through my socks and I was just like like, I had the reaction as if I had pissed myself <laughs> but it's like oh no I've blistered myself my feet pissed themselves and I literally had to go and find the other mailman and it's like I can't walk anymore <laughs> and, the ne- and they're like it's alright Kevin like you know, go home or whatever if you come in tomorrow you can do a half day and you'll still get your hour and they go okay thanks and then the next day we're like walking in really slowly and like I got like five feet from the house and I drink and go I can't walk (laughs) and that was the sorest I've been yeah I reckon none of us are as sore as these people are because that's all five or six weeks in now and they've been miserable sore painkiller sore the whole time Mm -hmm. fucking sucks it does do a great job though putting over how intensely miserable it is to be a wrestler. Yep. Yeah. It's intensely miserable to watch people trying to be a wrestler. And like like we've said before, this is small potatoes compared to like what Vern Gagne would make people do yeah. in territory days Tame, like. like Do you think that you could train to be a wrestler? I mean, we'll get this none of us are, are, are in any way like in the in, in a mindset or could ever have like I think we can all agree we couldn't do this no. like no, no, no. but do you think that you there can be approach or there could be approach to wrestling training that was not as physical or as kind of not say physical because it all has to be physical but not as like oppressive brutal. as brutal yeah. or do you have to be intense fucking seven days a week bumping callousing up as Tori says at one point I think you probably do because whilst it takes a physical toll on you it's also in the long run gonna callous you mentally Mm. it's gonna prepare you for you know the long journeys the being away from your family taking that much shit constantly is just gonna close you off to all of that bullshit Mm. that you've gotta worry worry about so Paulina has injured her knee and this is really fucking horrible and I kind of this is what made me start thinking about this the nature of this um, training is that she doesn't disclose to Al or the trainers yep. that she's hurt 
Do you think she could still be dinged up from, was it like the second episode where they were mud wrestling and she hit her knee on the... Oh, the yeah, possibly, Do you reckon yeah. it's still that it's same injury? But you're right about the whole... She's obviously, like, when she tells Al, Al's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. We want to know. We have to know when you're injured. But the only reason she didn't tell him is because there is a pressure to be like, oh, you can't be injured. I imagine if you go and tell them, like, Taz, I need to step out. I'm injured. He'll probably give you a dirty look and make you feel like you're worthless because you can't go today. Mm. Like and In this episode, it's like, of course you want to know if you're injured. What? You have to tell us if you're injured. No, you can't be working. And then later on, I'm hurt all the time. We yep. work with injuries all the time. We deal with it. And that's it. So that that's the part I think isn't necessary. I think Billy's right. The physical brutality you kind of need to go through. Mm. But I think the mental and emotional way they deal with the training could be far, far better. It feels like, a bit toxic. Like, yes, if absolutely. you feel you can't disclose that information, mm-hmm. that's kind of like, it's... I don't you told me about that Brian Cranston movie that you watched recently oh, Wakefield yeah Wakefield I kind of feel like that Paulina could be like that like she starts off by not telling Al Snow that she's injured and then she's like oh God, I can't tell him tomorrow either so I'll just hide up in the rafters here yeah. of tracks for <laughs> what, like a year or two like, and see how the rest of the contestants react to me being gone everyone misses their mommies oh. <laughs> there's wrong with missing your mommy and we've got a special guest visitor here today, folks. Who is this? The Olympic hero. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, yeah. Kurt Angle. He's uh, nice and tired. <laughs> he looks knackered. Everyone who comes here is knackered. Yeah. yeah. Like, really. It's their day off. You, like, you know it's their day off. And mm-hmm. then someone like fucking Laurenitis or whoever's just rung him up and said, all right, lads, you're going to tracks today to talk to these fucking yep. idiots you don't like. Mm-hmm. You've outright told us you don't like and think they sh- this program shouldn't exist. Give them a motivational speech, will you? I'm really interested by what you guys thought of Kurt Angle's chat here because I was in a few minds about what if he was okay with with this show and if he would have been in that category of people like I heard like Benoit Undertaker Triple H there's a couple of you know, you know the lads you'd expect who had problems with this Jericho show Jericho hated it as well yeah, yeah Jericho massively hated it so I was wondering where you figured that Kurt would have slipped into which of these categories I like what did you think sorry what did I expect from Kurt yeah like, yeah I don't think Kurt would have any sort of like weirdness about it because he's so new to the business himself and he acknowledges the fact that like I never paid my dues on the indie scene so I think it'd be pretty hypocritical for him to like have an axe to grind against these lads on the reality show mm. when he himself got the fast track into the wrestling world like a little bit intense as well when Kurt's here wearing his fake gold medals just to keep zooming in on like his MTV doesn't know it's a, it does it, the gimmicked ones uh, he chats about the three eyes but the whole time Taz is just right there like yeah remember who beat you at the Royal Rumble 2000 it was my biggest victory Kurt I ain't forgotten I never will <laughs> it's right in his face like go away from me with your fucking garlic smelling breath <laughs> he tells the story of his hiring and oh. this is like a really interesting one and it's kind of interesting that a lot of people maybe think that Kurt when he's come back in the most recent few years it's like oh now we've got this humble Kurt or whatnot who talks the story about his hiring and you know, the, the great story is that he was approached by Vince in like 96 with the Mark Henry contract essentially you know million dollar deal 10 years whatever it is merch and everything at the wazoo pushed right to the top and he talks about how he and his agent laughed and ripped up the contract together mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that you know even back then Kurt was telling that story and it's quite like a humble thing to be like yeah I was a total fucking idiot because two years later 
he wants a job because I mean what was he planning on doing that's what I don't know other than this wrestling thing yeah, that's a very good question. Like acting? Like sports personality, like... He did do yeah. some, like, sports casting, and he did do some acting and stuff. There's some few kind of a rock show, that commercial that he was in for, like, pizza that he made fun of him. <laughs> I mean, it would have been years off or a huge fucking injury away from mm. coaching. Yeah. Yeah. But I could have seen him go into coaching, but not at that time. He'd been far too young to become a coach. So, yeah, 1998, he comes two years later through the supplicant store. <laughs> Come crawling back, have you? Where's your gold medal now? That's mine. (laughs) So Vince McMahon, instead of offering him the $10 million deal, offers him in the region of two to 300,000, which is still an amazing deal. It's like a two or three year deal, but with training, developmental, you know, he has to go to Memphis. He has to do the dark matches for a year. And that's like... That's really interesting to think that he went back and he originally had the viewpoint, you know, he said that his his uh, colleagues in the amateur world said, WBF were con artists, they tarnish his gold medal, his legacy, and also the reputation of the Olympic wrestling team mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. which is like, Jesus, you can see why he'd walk away from that. But he was sold when he watched Raw on the stories and the athleticism. And he says that if he could go back and choose, he'd take the training contract. Mm. That's really interesting. Mm. Why do you think that is, that he'd go for that instead of the easy money? Because the way he describes it is that if he hadn't taken the training contract, he would have come in super well-paid and he would have probably had an ego about himself. He would have been pushed to the top, like been given a bit of a Luger treatment. But he says because he waited and he had the time to sort of come to appreciate wrestling and then he had to pay his dues... It taught him the appropriate level of respect that you kind of need to get mm, by in wrestling, yeah. and I think that is quite an important point. Like, it's very interesting that he had the. The many people would be kind of like, "Oh, if I had gotten that much money or opportunity, my ego would have taken over." That's quite like impressive that in two thousand and one he was able to recognize that about uh-huh. himself at least. He says, "Yeah, it built character essentially, having to go and pay his dues and go this kind of slightly longer route." And I'm just thinking about the two people or the few people I should say who have received big money guaranteed contracts like this one was the big show yeah who had the million dollar deal a million per year and then the other one was Mark Henry who got the 10 year deal Mm. and both of those were pushed to the moon straight away both of them floundered Mm. both of them had well I don't know about Mark Henry but big show was definitely given like an ego um, bad attitude bad attitude that's from WCW though I think so yeah if he'd maybe come in at WWF first Mm. may not have necessarily had that the fact that he had fucking WCW WCW tainted him. And yeah, Henry as well, while maybe not be known as having the ego, he certainly was one of the people who like got the label of being lazy yep. and like, you unmotivated. know, unmotivated and whatnot. So yeah, it's pretty good. Who was in Kurt Angle's training camp? Did you pick up on these names? Oh, there was a few names. I know Draws was one of them, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Albert, Test, Edge and Christian. Their trainers were Dory Funk Jr. and Dr. Tom Pritchard. It's a good class to be in. Yeah. The best. Good group. So he said they did five days a month at training camp, and then he went around with them doing the house show and the TV loops, and he would do dark matches mm-hmm. and all of that. He had to go away from his wife from eight months to go to Memphis. Yeah. No visits home in that time. Like. Not a, yeah, because he would be in Memphis for a few days, then on the road, either doing his camp or doing TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fucking... Gee, I don't know, like, if... 
again, like Billy said, though, that's throwing him in at the deep end. It's like, yes, after this period, there'll be times where you do get to see your wife, but you're going to have to get used to not seeing her. And so yeah. you're going to have a big eight-month stretch here where you find out, really now, do you like this? Can you handle it? Are you tough enough? Uh, it's fucking miserable, though. Yep. I mean... I don't think I've ever asked you guys this before, but I do think about it quite a bit. I mean, for how to we're doing the live show is going to be about wrestling couples and and stuff in wrestling, but like happy marriages in wrestling seem few and far between. Most of the top stars have got a couple of wives underneath them, like yeah. no one nearly at Greg Wallace level. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just the harshness of MasterChef, you know. Yeah. It's it's worse than wrestling. You, yeah. What those guys go through, it's incredible. On it's a five wives show, like yeah. you know, it's what it is. But I was wondering, like, if you guys have any, like, hot takes on that. I mean, like, I would find it very difficult to be away from my partner for eight months without seeing them. Yep. Yet alone being on the road as long as these guys are. Can you be happily married or in a happy relationship in wrestling? Speaking as three guys who are all in really happy relationships, take that guy who reviewed us in 2014 saying this podcast would end when we got girlfriends and it's actually made it better. <laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> so yeah, hot takes. It's possible. Yeah, certainly possible. I think it's easier these days than it was back in 2001 with like smartphones, being able to video call and you know, you're always yeah. just fingertips away from contacting your loved ones. I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that thinks it's worse now with what current wrestlers have to do where you know where they... I mean, Kevin Owens has talked about it. You know, he'll he'd be working Monday through Thursday. <clears throat> come fly back to where well, he's living in LA now, but at the time he was flying back to Montreal to spend two days with his wife and kids and having to tear himself away from them again to fly down so he can be at Raw. He's got to be like super. Worse. He's got to be super mom, super yeah. dad, super wife. Because at least like if you if you have that eight months where you you know you're like it's going to be eight months. And you can deal with that, but week in, week in, week out, going to spend two days with your family, and having to tear like away that. from that's them, your life. That, I think that's somewhat worse. Yeah, like with no end in sight. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the really scary thing because I'm sure all wrestlers have got like a five year plan in the back of their minds, yeah. but. I mean, if you're their their partner, I mean, I'm sure as well that there's like uh, some of the women on the road have got male partners oh, at home sure. as well. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of. As the partner, it's it, that must be really fucking difficult because mm. you don't have the road then to kind of occupy. You're left kind of... Yeah. Their absence is kind of almost amplified mm-hmm. by seeing them on TV and, and stuff like that. I don't know if it's possible, personally. I used to think kind of... Every time anyone would bring up anything about like, oh, there's no happy marriages in wrestling, I'd be like, yeah, but Mick Foley. And then I watched Holy Foley. Mm. And it's like, I'm not Colette. Look at my weird doll collection. <laughs> I hate my daughter. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare. Really glad I haven't watched that. Now. Yeah, oh, she's playing a character, like, for fun. Because it's just, it was really miserable. It's like, oh, yeah, but Hogan and his wife are happy nope <laughs> AJ Styles they're yeah. high school sweethearts still together are they yeah yeah they've been together for their whole adult lives I think wow so that's one see for me and Terry Funk and his wife are very happily married as well oh yeah 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 I've seen him beyond the mat like. <laughs> the shit Dave must have she's had to put up with yeah like. Triple H and Stephanie yeah. <laughs> well, that's, well that's oh that settles it like you that's know. why when someone, two people start dating that are on the roster together, it is quite sweet. Cause it's like, oh, well, at least if there is a problem, it's not going to be the distance or yeah. the work. Like, at least they're going to get to see each other play. Yeah. Like, 
What question did Chris ask that made Taz jump down his throat? Literally, from what I saw, nothing. Yeah, because I he didn't hear jumped, it. No, he, I don't think he said anything. I think Chris was just pulling a bit of a face, so Taz just jumped on him. Yeah, because Taz like tries to like he jumps at him and then he's like oh what I think you were trying to say you were gonna say there is that there is no shortcuts Chris and you're not even on his level anyway let me ask you Chris why do you think you're better than Kurt Angle look at his eyes why would you spit on him why did you do that to him Chris and Chris is just like sat there with like he didn't say anything no, no. Taz is such a cock he's so annoying like. of course he if anyone here no would know there's no shortcuts it's probably the lad who's been training wrestling Taz <laughs> take that shit back to Bobby Joe and the evil custodian yeah. Chris has that much knowledge I would imagine Legit. I'm not an Olympic gold medalist. I know I'm not going to get the Kurt Angle treatment. There you go. I, I couldn't take him seriously as well because the whole time this is happening, all the way through Kurt's story and him having a go, he's on his knees with his elbows on the second rope, just bouncing. Yeah. And then having a go and listening to Kurt and occasionally coming in. He always, he's any moment to fucking jump in as well. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt just stands there awkwardly after he chews him out and just goes, wow, glad I'm not in Taz's training camp. Yeah, because he's quite horrible. <laughs> you guys clock the bit where Kurt talks about overtraining and yeah. not training. He's like basically saying like one of the most important things though is making sure that you don't train too much because if you overtrain that can be really bad for you. And the whole time he's talking about this, Al Snow has got his arms folded and he's like staring daggers in the back of Kurt's head like, don't you fucking tell him that, mate. I'm tra- I've just got them fucking doing what I want them to do the way I want it to be done. Like, don't, don't tell them that they can overtrain now. I was say, a Kurt Angle overtraining, like, I mean, he's seen, like, points of his career when he really packed on the muscle, like, mm. you know, around 2003, that type of time, you know, when he had his, his really bad neck injury. Mm. I don't think Kurt was heeding his own advice. Because, mm. actually, I, I rewatched Kurt and Austin from SummerSlam 01 recently for, for How To, and... Kurt is, yeah, I think he's probably listened to that advice there. He is kind of, he's trim. He's got big arms and big legs, but torso-wise, he's quite trim. His later years, and when he first came into like TNA and stuff, he's fucking tanked on all this fucking muscle on him. Like, he looked absurd. What's scarier, big tank Kurt Angle or tiny little frail crustacean Kurt Angle? Oh, I like. way prefer tiny frail crustacean Kurt because he you get to see his speed so much more and it's like it's more about his technique and not that he's just this big fucking action man. Yeah, like, he's like trembling. <laughs> A little bit. He looks <laughs> Made like... Made of glass. When Homer loses weight in that episode of The Simpsons, like, I'm sure there's like nine of those. Probably, <laughs> yeah. You know? The interspliced footage as Kurt is in the ring working out, like he's he's giving all these pointers, and they really like whoever did the the video on this is did a really great job because he's saying like, hey, you're in an armbar, don't be like everyone. They're like just sat there, you know, work with your other arm, and then they show footage of him in Jericho doing the exact move, and Kurt yep. you know, grabbing at the arm, like grabbing at Chris, and he illustrates everything he's doing and then you get to see it actually him working in a match it's like oh that's why those matches where it's Kurt and Chris Jericho were so awesome because yeah. he's doing all this stuff it's actually some of the best yeah. like in-ring training we've seen them have with a wrestler yeah. on the show so far like he's explaining psychology for maybe the first time in this show yeah. like, it's the first time I think any of them are actually 
teaching them something other than what a good snap is. It's not just about like doing the moves. It's about like now here's you here's how you make it entertaining, and make why. it look real. Like yeah, and why the most important part. You like, know who's really like not been in this like whole show ever since his big debut where he tried to drown a woman in a hot tub. Yeah, yeah. Christian Chris is I, my theory is that he, everything he's saying is either so hateful or stupid that MTV are like this does not go with the core values of MTV and the, what the real- fucking core values? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 90s MTV. I know, right? It doesn't overlap with the values of real world Miami, like. But <laughs> when he does chime in, it's usually something really fucking stupid and funny. So Kurt is like, guys, you all know about my three eyes, but I'm here today to talk to you about my fourth eye. It just cuts to Chris backstage. He goes, wait a minute, we talk about the fourth eye? I thought he meant like, like a human eye. <laughs> Fabulous personality on that. Like, not only is Kurt got a third eye somewhere on his body he has a fourth eye as well fourth like eye. on both of his hands like he tell Toro <laughs> some fucking junker or something I don't know I didn't even catch the fourth eye was Island because they're going to the Bahamas Paradise Island Bahamas I'm not going of course I have to go to um, Toulouse to uh, wrestle Triple H so and then do another seven days on the road or whatever <laughs> Oh, sorry, Kurt, your taxi's beeping to get you onto the plane now. I was really hoping we were going to have, like, a steel drum version of the Tough Enough theme or something. Like... <laughs> Are the contestants feeling hot, hot, hot? We'll find out as Tough Enough visits the Bahamas. Beautiful, sore, sexy Bahamas action as everyone clutches their various ailing limbs. And it's a little bit overcast as well. And it's like, wow, man... <clears throat> This is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Mm. Chris buries all the idiots. <laughs> yeah. Whilst they like, show footage of him and he's fucking lying on his back in bed reading fucking Anne Rand. The reading, the, he's reading the Fountainhead like a knob. Oh. All right, come at me. I did, I'm not a, not a book boy, so tell me what is this book and why does it illustrate Chris Nowinski as a dick? I know very little about the Fountainhead specifically. Yeah. But Anne Rand, wasn't she like, didn't she have really controversial philosophical views? Yeah. Like the first Bioshock game, all of Rapture is basically based on like Anne Rand's writings. Oh, right. What they believe in Bioshock, in that wonderful paradise of Rapture. As oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Words like parasites and stuff like that. Ah. Like, all of that is drawn upon from Anne Rand. And I know very little about it, apart from the fact that usually when you see someone reading a big Anne Rand book on, like, a college campus, they're normally a dickhead of some sort, like... I just need to find better words to disguise my inherent racism, like... I need to beef up the intellectualism of my hatred. <laughs> Maybe he's just sulking around because they went to the Bahamas and not Colombia, the jewel of the skies, as he wanted to. <laughs> So yeah, he's like, I love him that they're all like, yeah, like you know, having fun on the beach. He's there, like his his tan slacks and his moccasins, like on his cell phone, like yeah, not really having a lot of fun. It's like you know, Smithers goes on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, sir. There seems to be some sort of cue forming behind me. <laughs> yeah, he he basically says that he like doesn't have anything against all the other people, but he doesn't like hanging out and goofing off because he wants to be a professional and take it seriously. When he had, like, a few episodes back, Pat Patterson talking to him about cigars up the arse and mooning people and stuff, he's got it in his head that wrestling is this really serious, like, I'm on The Apprentice, I've got to make a good impression, like... I'm a lot like you, Lord Snow, in that I... <laughs> I too wanted to be done the way it needs to be done, like... But, I mean, do you think you'd know in, like, wrestling, 
Dublin, though, that, like, as you said, that's a huge part of it. You have to be able to do the japes and the, the ribs. The ribs and the, yeah. you know, knowing that, yes, people appreciate when being, you know, being serious and Vince appreciates someone who puts forth a serious demeanor. But Vince McMahon was a pranker like the rest of them. You know, he's fucking doing takedown contests for Kurt Angle and, you know, all the time with this, you know. Well, it people is, in pools. Yeah. yeah it's, having a right laugh. You can't get over, I don't think. No. With, with all of those people, if you take this ultra serious, like, they're just going to look at that and kind of go, he'll be bad in the locker room. Well, that's kind of what you people know? thought about guys like Bob Holly, like, never gets up to any fun or anything, and look how his career panned out. It wasn't exactly like he was a big star or anything. Yeah, like, that bear. That bear didn't think he was any fun at all. <laughs> that's why he took his hair away from him, like, you know, to, teach him, bear. to teach him a lesson, like, you know. <laughs> there is a part of me that kind of thinks in like in like my worst worst way that like if I was younger this is how I would have acted mm. and kind of like I like I remember doing like group job interviews and stuff like that and being kind of like everyone's no one's taking this seriously and when I took the approach of I'm going to show that I'm serious it always came off really badly but the, the times then when I've had these group interviews where then I was like kind of alright I'll show I can be a bit of fun as well personality uh, yeah and then it always you know goes well in those mm-hmm. cases so I think Chris is actually has taken himself off the, the, the obvious winner now because yeah. everyone else you could look at and kind of go oh they've probably got a flaw and he seemed to have not really many flaws and now it's like well he's an old stick in the mud yeah. He, yeah. he won't be fun to be with on the road whereas Maven I can see him getting on fabulously with everyone in the locker room absolutely Maven's having a whale of a time here lots of whistle heavy music yeah like they're on donut planes like in Mario Kart <laughs> <laughs> It does look lovely, and I do want to go. Yeah, it looks very nice. It looks like a really nice resort. It does, yeah. Uh, they go boating. Yay. They go wading. They go fluting. They also played the star of Sean Stasiak's theme. Then they stop. What a reference. You know? But, you know, if they were to go... They're on Paradise Island, not Planet Stasia. (laughs) (laughs) Which is another resort. The fourth eye is the eye in Stasia. Does anyone else think of Mount Moron when they think of Planet Stasia? A big neon coloured hellscape. There's like a little Mr. Schwackhammer in there. Why don't you go and just record everything they say? And he's got a glowing orb with all their secrets. Like glowing tape recorder. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go on the radio with this? Sean Stasek, which is all of us when we saw Home Alone for the first time, taken way too far. <laughs> hey, hey, WWF, I'm home early. <laughs> <laughs> Here things aren't going so well with your personal lives. <laughs> I say they flute. I say they. Josh flutes. Yeah, he plays hot cross buns badly on a little shitty flute. Mm. He calls it a flute. It's a fucking wooden recorder. It's a tin whistle, is what it is. Yeah, I can play Mary had a little lamb on a on a on a flute, but Ooh. I know it's very annoying. I can also play it in a Nokia thirty three ten. I can. I can. I can. I, yeah, I can. I, used to do that. I can bang eight, like you know. But um, Josh is playing this flute very obnoxiously. And then scripts people going, Josh is great. I love Josh. And then Chris, he's an idiot. (laughs) Everyone but Chris thinks Josh is brilliant. Do you think it's unnecessary that Chris doesn't get on with everyone, but it's just the fact that Chris and Josh, I think, have formed a very much an Ash Gary rivalry right now. And you know, Chris is straight up smell you later, Mm -hmm. but everyone seems to like Josh. 
Like everyone's seen, and that's why he doesn't like the group because the group like Josh. Yeah, it's like Josh is Homer Simpson and Chris is Frank Grimes. <laughs> yes, he is better technically. Yeah. Yeah. He's being such a dick. Like. Josh ate his special dietetic lunch as well. Like, you know. <laughs> Look at me, I can play flute because I'm Josh Matthews. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't need to wear elbow pads because I'm just. <laughs> hey everyone, Josh is in the XWF. It's a it's a promotion for children and idiots. Hey, stop that! We're trying to enjoy the British storm. <laughs> Was anyone else positive that during this montage of fun? nice times that Taz was absolutely going to come out and his music would hit and he'd be like oh no 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 you're all going to run around the Bahamas five times over give me them cocktails <laughs> come out of the water dressed as a seal <laughs> you thought it was a seal it was me Taz <laughs> I bet Taz argued against them getting to go to the Bahamas absolutely so why would you send them to Red Hook <laughs> it's just as nice <laughs> I was going to say, this looks lovely and everyone's having a great time until you see, like, Nidia sat there talking to someone. The camera zooms out. Big John Gaborik went with them <laughs> yeah. Bahamas. Yeah, I've, I've owned this. <laughs> <laughs> nice bikini. Oh. oh, Jesus. So, John, he is giving himself the job of doing the visitor draw. So, I want to explain what the, the draw is here. So, they couldn't I think they were originally told decide between yourselves who gets to visit and no one could so he said they're going to draw two names out of a hat whoever gets it, the first two people get their names drawn get to have one loved one come visit them at the house mm-hmm. and then they have to prove how much that they they have to do the love enough to yeah. make sure that they prove and then whoever like the worst relationship they get removed like yeah exactly and like when they see like have the heartfelt embrace and, and I was like no wrong do it the way I want it to be done like you know he's there ready with a chair to put it against the wall yeah. you know Josh's girlfriend's got like a little broken heart hanging up <laughs> So, yeah, he does the, the draw. Josh and Greg, they get the, the pairing here. Mm-hmm. And it kind of is, this whole time as well, I should say, uh, Paulina's getting an MRI done. So yeah. it's kind of at the back of her mind, this is not really a fun trip. No. Because that's got to be all she's thinking about. And I do think as fun as they all seem to have, a lot of this seems to be brave faces. Because after the first day, when it's like, we're going back tomorrow, they're fucking, you could cut the tension with a knife yeah. no more so than when Chris Nowinski decides to get pissed Nowinski oh fucking hell what a knob cringe he was exactly what I thought he would be like when he's drunk yeah. like everybody's saying like your views on these people will be very much like your social experience yeah. I don't know about you but I've seen like 20 fuckers like this and then they have one drink in them and they fucking the intellectual the mask slips yeah. like Bleh! I'm brilliant fun me I'm Shit! <laughs> oh my god! Fucking squares up to little Josh. Yeah, gets all aggressive with him. I'm reading you. Anne Rand. <laughs> it is like his boxers. Yeah. Oh, this is a great chapter. <laughs> I fucking what's he doing? Like he goes, he does, he goes to like like Josh. Fight said, Josh says something really fucking innocuous. He like says like, "Oh, getting drunk, are you?" And then Chris, like, squares up to him. Is this back in the hotel room? Yeah. yeah, this is after they've been out clubbing and they're all watching Wheel of Fortune without him and he's, like, knocking on the door for ages, like, hey, come on, guys, let me in. And then, yeah, Josh says something about him, like, making an ass of himself yeah. when he's drunk. 
Which he was. Yeah, he was. And Chris just becomes such a bully. Like, he's got a smile on his face like, oh, have I got my excuse to beat up the little guy now? This is great. It's an asshole. It's after he comes in and says, oh, Wheel of Fortune. That's great. Love me some wheel. And he's just like, I don't, I can't tell if he's just being drunk and can't speak properly or he's being a sarcastic fucker. I think he was being sarky because he's like, I'd rather read a book than watch a bloody game show with I, You know what? I truly buy the Harvard credentials of Chris Nowinski because it takes a very, very thoughtful, intelligent person to find a way to ruin Wheel of Fortune, which is literally the purest form of entertainment. Yeah. You fucking piece of shit. How <laughs> dare you, like... You don't get to spin a wheel. You only get to make a deal. Bad deals, that is. Taz is, I like to think there could have been an altered version of this where it's Taz just back at tracks, like, you know, wetting up some mud with his hose, getting some sharp rocks, like, you know, (laughs) waiting, anticipating for them to come back. Back at tracks, everyone is pretty miserable heading back, you know, on on the bus. They're back at tracks. Al gives Josh a big kitty bandage. He's got a little sun blister on his nose. Yeah. I think you put do is you get that and you put on and he gets to be like a, a kitty cat. It's like, oh, it's funny. He's a kitty cat. Like, you get to think of nothing bad of Josh. It's like Sammy Callahan. It's like, oh, I think you've done some wrong. Oh, no, he's being a cat. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie who? Baseball what? <laughs> Baseball cat. <laughs> Yay. So, yeah, everything's forgiven immediately. Chris takes the visitor's spot over Greg. Now, I didn't get the details of this. I was just like, what a fucking heel. But there was a reason for this? Yeah, Yeah. so Greg's girlfriend was due to have surgery for something. So he just... uh, uh, That the weekend of the visit. So he, without asking her, he said, well, she's not going to be able to come. And I will sell the visit to Chris. Right. And Chris was like, yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell fucking yeah. Then he speaks to his girlfriend on the phone and finds out her surgery's been postponed, so should have been able to Visit. come up. So he goes like Chris tells between his legs and says, Please, Chris, can I can I buy it back? I'll do so the transaction is complete, I'm sorry. Yeah, Legit. Chris is a tit. Absolute twat. Man, what a fucking heel. Never actually gave it well, I imagine he gave him the money later as well, but at this point in time, like they hadn't actually done the transaction. There was no money changed hands. Yeah. So the fact that even it was a transaction is so fucking yeah. like greasy to me. Uh good news for Paulina. You get a chocolate fudge sundae with sprinkles and whipped cream and chopped... Oh, sorry, no. It's a torn ligaments, a sprain, oh, and a break. Oh, God. And it wasn't just sundae, was it? It was uh, an injury. Oh. It was. Sorry, I made a mistake in the uh, notes. And after that sprain, ligament, and break in a leg, she is given the option to carry on or leave. Why? It's up to you, Paulina. I think they don't want to be like, we cut people because they were hurt like how heartless yeah we're not we're not killing any dreams here folks we are enabling dreams to take their own life but we are oh. not ourselves killing any dreams we're not we're we're about making movies here you know we're about family she's kind of put on the knife edge here it's like what stay here and take this spot and I mean when you're sat there having to watch people wrestle it's yeah. pretty fucking humiliating yeah. knowing that you're not getting the same experience as them and they're just getting further and further ahead of you every day very much so you have to watch PE like yeah. go on like because you didn't bring your kit today I, I preferred that when I was a kid to be honest with you PE fucking sucks yeah Wario Land mate that's what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> look at me now <laughs> The trainers all have a chat and they're like, yeah, she's done. She's done. Yeah. And like, even when Jacqueline's like, yeah, Jacqueline literally says she doesn't think she's got it in her. So 
if you all, that's your professional opinion. You like, if you want her to make the decision herself, fine. But I think they're obligated to tell her, like, in our professional opinion, we don't think you're able to do this. Because I'm really glad she sleeps on it and makes the decision. But could you have imagined if she went, I'm tough enough. Ah! Yeah. She'd be like, be in a wheelchair. Yeah. You know? It's irresponsible. Like, And everyone's at that really vulnerable age in this show where they're just young enough, where they're either so desperate or so sure of themselves that they will make decisions that you will later regret. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, if you took Mailman Kevin and put him in Tough Enough, I would have been like, yeah, I'll sleep on it. Like, you know. This is like, it's at a vulnerable point in everyone's time, I think, that mm, they've yeah. got him here. The amount of dropouts now. Yeah. How many tags have we seen? It feels like it's been two. Shadrick, Daryl, Daryl—that's it. Two guys have actually been eliminated. So they just took the opportunity to eliminate the, the people of color, like you know, and everyone else just kind of showed themselves the door. There's a lot of tears here when Pauline is going. Everyone's fucking crying. Like she says, 100 percent when she's back on her feet, she's going to try it again in our final volume, which will be the next uh, edition of this uh, mini series of Tough Enough. We will look at how everyone got on and what ventures they pursued afterwards, and uh, we'll see how it goes. This has fucked up the competition, though, because there are now only two women left. Yeah. yeah. you got Nydia... Taylor. And Taylor, mm-hmm. who probably are the two best women. They but, were the two who were going to be in the end anyway. But if one of them gets hurt, then oh, that's the game over. Like, someone's already won. Remember that Australian girl? Would have been great. Remember ODB? Would have mm. been great. Did you catch Big John's goodbye to Paulina? Get out of here. He's like, get, you know, he's like putting her in the car, and he's like, okay, yeah, take, it, take care. And then he stops, and he's like... And also, thank you, Paulina. Like, from the bottom of Big John Gaborik's heart. You've taught me how to love again. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives her a rose. <laughs> Do you think Big John thinks this is actually The Bachelor? <laughs> I can't wait to get married. <laughs> There's usually not this many injuries on The Bachelor, but... Uh... There's usually not this many dudes on The Bachelor. <laughs> it's really <laughs> worrying now. There's only two girls left. But... <laughs> it is time for episode eight, a.k.a. A simple twist of fate. Oh, yeah! We're at tracks. T squared. Tombstone time. <laughs> yep. Another trip to the graveyard. Another trip to the graveyard. Al's not even having fun anymore. He's like, oh, tombstones. There you go. Fucking hell. Like, it's like the analogy of tombstones when you're killing these dreams. Like, and they're all, and they're dead and buried now, like Aww. six feet under. Ain't no one coming back from this. Man. Like, real talk two girls left I thought it was undoubtedly Nydia's at this point in time Taylor's not terrible though Nydia's got the edge but Taylor's still good the, the, I think you, you don't see as much as Taylor of Taylor though yeah Nydia feels like from the way the show's edited feels like Nydia is being groomed to be the female she is winner win mm. yeah it does, they've barely paid attention to Taylor so true I like as well when they interview Nydia about this and she's saying like there's only two of us left now so it's really neck to neck Neck to neck. Yeah, you know, in the, the two women's you know in women's wrestling when they lock up and it's like neck like, like swans. I was like, say like giraffes when they fight like, <laughs> like smacking each other. When you said neck to neck, I just thought of George Lucas just popped into my head like you've you got know. two necks connected <laughs> neck together. To like, neck, like. My neck and then the neck that comes out of his neck. It like. has all his bad ideas on it, like that's where he kept his money. Like. <laughs> I've heard of belly to belly, but neck to neck, like, you know, neck to neck suplex. No one steal my cool new move. <laughs> Bumps and grimaces for everyone here in tracks. 
And as they're bumping and grimacing, Al says they're going to ramp up the physicality now. Yay! Yeah, the fifth career-ending injury seems as good a time as any to <sighs> dial it up a little bit. Slam training. Scoop and a slam. Those are the two parts to the slam. And they really put this forward here. Like, when you are now holding people, you are taking them off the ground, and you are now in a position of ultimate trust and responsibility. And Al says when you have someone picked up, you're ultimately responsible for putting them back down safely, which a lot of wrestlers have not maybe taken that over the years. Al Snow even, because he does this training montage, he starts off by like, when you are the one holding your opponent, you are responsible. It's on you if it goes wrong. You broke my neck, Brock. He slams Josh Matthews and Josh is like, oh, fuck. And Al's just kind of like, hey, you uh, took that one a bit funny there, did you, pal? Up you get. Come on, come on. Don't make me is look it, bad, oh, Did you get winded? Because Josh has a bone bruise. A bone bruise? Has anyone ever had a bone bruise? No. I have, yes. <gasps> Do you want to tell the people at home about it, Billy? Oh, it hurts. I can't even remember how I did it. But yeah, I had a, a bone bruise on my hip. God in heaven! Not fun. No. Very, very... Actually, could be up there with the sorest I've been, actually. Yeah. The, oh. the bone bruise on the hip. It's up there when you ruptured a disc which fragmented into your spinal, spinal yeah. column. <laughs> Bumps and bruises. So yeah, he, he slams. He's like, "Oh, I knocked the wind out of you." No bone bruise, which is literally when the bone has been impacted. It's not been broken. It's not been cracked, but it has been impacted in a way that means that you are gonna feel it deep inside you. Like a surface bruise sucks, but a bone bruise is awful because like you can't even tell how it's doing. You just feel pain everywhere, constantly. Oh, uh, and on the fucking like where he got it would have been like around yeah. that hip area as well. Josh is fucking. He's small. I think they need to bear that in mind. He slammed the shit out of him. And you're ultimately responsible, Al, so are you going to apologise? Well, Tori comes in and explains about callousing. Mm. Now, I thought this was with guitar. Like, the, <laughs> you see, like, honestly. It's with everything. Right, like, seriously. Because you, you're, you're musical. I, try, I tried for one week to learn guitar, and I thought, fuck it, this is for losers. Yeah. And I went and I got into hero clicks instead. Mm-hmm. But you obviously have got calloused fingers. You can play all damn instruments. What is the callousing process? It's shit. It's about just putting up with pain. Like, worse than guitar, I recently, I've been doing rowing machine mainly at the gym. Like, I started doing that more and more. And I'm getting these blisters oh, on the inside of my hand here. And I've been getting them, like, every time I go to the gym. So I did some research, like, how can I prevent this from happening? Got some workout gloves, got some, like, powder on my hands, still getting them. And <laughs> the heel here with the powder. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but according to professionals, the way you deal with getting these kind of blisters, just rub some alcohol on it to dry it out and put up with it until the skin goes hard and callous. That didn't work with my feet. That's what I did. But that's the thing. You're just meant to wait. You're just meant to keep doing it and keep doing it until it doesn't hurt anymore and until then you put up with it. So are your fingers all calloused now because of guitar? I only play guitar occasionally so these are quite soft whereas this is getting quite rough. Can I feel your fingers? Yeah, yeah. Feel the fingers. That is Kevin putting on that sound. And then I feel this here where I've been getting the... (laughs) Oh, come on, I was only joking. Come on, come on. Let me try. <laughs> come on, stop. Be serious. Do it the way I want it done. <laughs> I can't talk with this pathetic content. Hey, listen to our show. You can hear Kevin 
touch my hand and make a silly noise. Hey, Billy, did you hear Adam's hand do a big trump? I did. <laughs> Guffed up a storm. Oh, man! <laughs> That's a 10 out of 10 guffer. Right there. <laughs> Woo! Fucking hell. <laughs> But like, can your body, like your back, callous? Well, that's the thing. Can your bones callous? Is that what Tori is saying? Your bones will get harder. The kind of callousing I'm talking about here is purely on the surface. It's on your skin when mm. you've been getting blisters and the skin thickens up and the skin gets hard. I can't imagine like the entire back of you where you're taking like turning bones. into leather. Yeah, treated leather. <laughs> How horrible is that? Like. Never mind being on the road. That's what I'd worry about affecting my partner the most. Is that, oh, I'm sorry, my back feels like a fucking concrete slab now. Oh, slowly like, turning into Gamora. Like, oh my God. Like and this is really sad because, like, this is the moment you find out Greg's dirty little fib that he's been telling the whole yeah. time. A crime of omission. And I'm going to say this right now. If he had been forward about this and they did medicals and the fact this didn't come up, he would not have gotten this spot. Nope. No. Did Greg get this spot because one of the other guys dropped out? Yes, if I remember rightly. In episode yeah. one, yes. Lars didn't take it and then Greg stepped in. Yeah, the weird that was blonde the, the, the suspicious drug test. Oh, yeah. 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 Maybe they didn't have time to do all the thorough tests on Greg. So it turns out that Greg, from a previous injury, had a herniated disc in his back. That's fucking serious, man. That's like, real. So you obviously your back is like you can obviously use be like a big stack of pancakes, basically, or whatever, like flapjacks, not like crepes or anything. That'd be really fucked up. And with a nice jam or uh, uh, butter in the middle of it, yeah. and one of them is kind of as bulged out, mm. which can cause problems for the nerves. It means that you've got serious pain that can kind of strike and really like shoot up your all up your back like fucking light. I knew someone who got herniated disc when they were like 16 playing fucking rugby and they were touted as going to be a big rugby star and it's like age 17 they're like yeah man I left it all on the pitch I can't go anymore it's like fucking shit mm -hmm. herniated discs are serious I don't think you could start a wrestling career one would imagine for the ground up Absolutely with that injury wrestling like the back is like 90% of what you use of your body and like. this is like you can imagine him watching his little buddy Josh get slammed and immediately bruise the bone in his back and then Al going don't be freaked out if you're hurt it's totally normal guys it is part of it, it is normal it is so normal they're watching the tapes back and Greg this whole time you can just kind of think he's got to be terrified he's sweating yeah Nitty is in tears she's sick She's hurt. She says she's on the verge of a breakdown. And it's pretty, like, impressive that she kind of soldiers on. Like, there are people who feel like Nydia is hobbling at one point. Yeah. Like, she is totally should be going home. Like, she's yeah. at the point where Victoria was when she left, I feel like. Yeah. She goes until they tell her sit this one out I which I think they appreciate that she's not just gone oh I can't go she finds yeah. other things to do yeah mm -hmm. like she does other drills that does involve her leg and stuff exactly. like that she's demonstrating a hell of an ethic like that is the kind of I kind of feel like they couldn't have said that to people because it defeats the purpose yeah. then that's yeah. when they were saying that to, to Pauline it's, it's kind of like we're hoping that you're going to go I'll do this instead we were hoping we wouldn't have to tell you like, yeah. yeah but yeah Nidia has kind of managed to find a way to tough it out and I think with Nidia as well when you realise this is yours unless you say no more that's yeah. the ultimate yeah. motivator at this point at the training centre, a.k.a. Trax <laughs> Man and Jeff, a.k.a. The Hardy Boys with Amy Dumas, a.k.a. Lita they chat with the trainees, a.k.a. the contestants, on a ladder, a.k.a. a vertical path. <laughs> We're all on our vertical path. 
Matt is fucking knackered. Yep. You guys all that wrestling? <laughs> oh. Well, to be fair, they mentioned that the past Monday on Raw was the Raw where Austin beat the loving shit out of all three yeah, of them. Like so hard to watch. Really horrible. So no wonder they're all feeling rough. Like, they've all had the shit knocked out of them. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe... It's good in a way, because they're obviously... To, like, Leah seems fucking stoked. She's yeah. like, wow, I got beat up by Austin. Yeah. She's fucking delighted with this. Matt and Jeff are... Jeff is asleep. Like he is- Jeff isn't there. Boomhammer from King of the Hill is. Like, <laughs> he's not in. Like, I'm on table, man. My daddy coming there and saying, "Here we go, we get my old wrestler." <laughs> he's not there. That's not Jeff. Nah. No, it's not. They say that their dad discouraged them from wrestling, but I mean, I'm piecing this together because it's like, oh man, our dad, you know, he was working all this time, man. You know, farmer, you know, working. He'd be like, "Why you come and do that wrestling?" I don't want to do that wrestling. We come back, man. We be all sore, we're watching the trampolines, man. We going to watching the all them. Then we go over there, and we go, yeah, man. With the left side, we go over the left side with the, the headlock. With the left side with the, the shoulder tackle. My damn man, you don't be saying anything about that, man. What the fuck are you talking about? How is this helpful to anybody? Are we oh, literally? I'm, you're going to the Bahamas again. We would have known. Like, <laughs> you know, in there, like. They talk about how they learned the business and, and, and psychology of wrestling from someone called Stallion. Stallion, oh, man. God. <laughs> Stallion! We met this guy called Stallion on uh, the internet, aka Craigslist. Oh. Yeah, he's the one that told them to lie about their age as well yeah. and get into WWF. Like. He didn't tell them. He he just did it and said, maintain my lie about your yeah. age. Dodgy fucker, Didn't, didn't they say that he, they pretended Stallion was their dad to yeah. get Jeff a permission slip signed? Like, Come on, man. You know that Stallion has our best interests to heart. <laughs> Where is he now? What? Stallion. Stallion. Like, hey, man, you don't want to mess with me, okay? I'll get my friend Stallion around here. He'll turn this place upside down, a.k.a. inside out, okay? You don't want to mess with him. He got hooves. <laughs> Imagine if it was just a horse. Just like, horse. They're just that high. They're, like, they're just all. taking advice from a fucking horse. <laughs> hey, man, it's a horse. <laughs> oh, my God. Team Equine, more like, am I right? <laughs> Let's talk about the fashion on Jeff Hardy here for a moment in time. Got the new rocks, got them big tall heels he's got going on there. Tall, tall shoes, tall tails from a tall man. Also rocking the, the leopard print trow and the, the working man shirt. I think Jeff Hardy looks like an Egypt. I think those are his pyjamas. You reckon? They look so comfy, like... He's definitely rolled out of bed and just, like, let Matt and Lita do the driving. Like. Yeah. Anyone here rock the new rocks? No, I never had them. I've been kicked by someone wearing them. Oh, Billy. Yeah, that is that where you got your bone bruise? Is it? Uh, oh. No, no, that was a kick to the shin. Ah, Jesus. I, new rock. I also knew someone who got kicked in the bollock with one and oh. immediately vomited everywhere. Oh, oh my fucking that is God. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what, what caused a person in New Rocks to give you a boppin'? Just, uh, just uh, aggressive teenagers. I was. You're on that turf. Well, I, I was involved with them. They're just like kicking. Was he like, oh, mate? just like getting a bit rough and round. Yeah, and like yeah. Was the guy like I'm a chainsaw? I I'll believe it. I believe it was a girl. Really? A girl kicked me in the shin. Wow. Yeah. That's so. There we go. Billy Cable kicked in the shin. Josh does a little cry in the toilet because he can't wrestle the Hardy Boys. Oh. 
Now, when people are learning from these wrestlers, they, you know, Kurt was explaining the psychology. Matt, who Jeff doesn't seem to do any wrestling. Nothing. Jeff's just re- the, the, the the match is going on in Jeff's. Well, that's where the real wrestling's going on there, oh. right? Like you know, <laughs> the greatest contest goes on in his mind. Like you know, it's three heads. Hey man, <laughs> it's the Lao. And Matt, he's like, this is really fucking sad because this is like if their career took a different turn. And it's kind of like this is the the Hardy's version of like getting a picture in a bed with Sonny. So I was thinking, yeah, like, let me do my moves on you, pal. You get to sit there while I do it, like, <laughs> like he's doing the the Hardy Boys leg drop, Whoa. Oh. aka, oh, it's fucking rubbish particularly when he does it to Greg and he goes man I couldn't believe I was in there with the 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 Matt and doing you know he did it to me and shows the footage of him doing the move he goes I can't believe he, he did it he did the 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 Hardy Boy trademark big wrestling fan I hear Matt Hardy's the Hardy Boy trademark is great <laughs> if he can hit that Cole he's going home a champion <laughs> we are always beat up <laughs> they've actually just had some fun wrestling with the Hardys and then Matt brings it back down by immediately saying you'll never be healthy again we You're are always always tired and always Jeff's tired. Like, I'm like this all the time man I'm so sore see you later guys whoa thank you I swap them around because Kirk gave him good career advice yep. these lads just are like it fucking sucks mm-hmm. you're not going to the Bahamas this week either give I, them the Bahamas spot I don't like them leaving in a limo as well it oh, seems very yeah. off brand team extreme, extreme like, corporate limo an like. extremely good time like you know <laughs> extremely expensive fucking transport Greg fucks up his ankle on a hip toss then oh. it's like it's a breakdown time for Greg. Yeah. Oh, Greg so is, sad. yeah. It is. Keep going. I didn't have back problems when I started. Now I have so many. That's what Al says when assessing Greg. Like, Al started this with a clean bill of health. And this is 2001, and Al is like, you know, he's sore. Yeah. Pretty much safe to assume that any wrestler who did it for a period of 10 years or whatever is sore pretty much every day. Yep. Like, Foley in his documentary he did with WWE, the phrase he used is, my God, what have I done to myself? And this was a man who was fully aware of what he was doing and also has, like, a genetic predisposition and a body shape that was designed to make that possible. And even with all of that hindsight and all that benefit, he is at a loss for words at the level of pain he is in. He was mentored by Terry Funk. Like... You know, mm-hmm. it's not for you if you've already got back problems. Yes, yeah. you're already a beat behind everyone else. It's not going to get any better. Aldo is really, really impressed like by Nidia, who is going through this similar breakdown. But as we said, she's finding the, the, the things to do. And I think this is what has won her the competition because Al is immediately very impressed by this. She's Alison Bree's character in Glow. Yeah. Like, yeah, shit keeps getting in the way, but she'll be plucky enough to find a way around it. Like... Taylor seems to have the edge because she's less hurt, so she knows more stuff. She, you know, she can do the slams. Yeah. And her and Taylor have enough knowledge now to put together a basic match. And Nidia, despite the injury, like everyone is impressed. Even like Nowinski is like, wow, you know, can't believe she went out and she did it. She had a plan. They had it planned all week. They did a match, and they're the first ones to do a match, which everyone watches back, and that yeah. like says a lot about like the toughness of Nidia for one. Anyway, 
Greg is scared as episode 8 ends. Uh, they always end on such a downer note. Like, it's always something like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take this much more. Yeah. He's like saying, like, uh, getting really, like, looking down on the floor, saying, literally, every time something good happens in my life, my back plays up and Jesus. I have to stop what I'm doing. Fucking it's, 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 hell. It's, it's like the fifth or sixth time, like, he's got a passion he's had to, like, give up on because of his back. Episode 9, Yale's number 1. So, when I was watching this time, I did notice when they do the... <laughs> you know, at the start, they show all the, the, the contestants. <laughs> Each person's name shows up, it shows their kind of action shot, and then a little bit of footage of them. It's like Josh and Josh doing like a hip toss, and like Nidia and Nidia doing like an arm drag. And then it's Daryl, and it's just Al going to... Daryl he's like right come on Skinner and the superintendent like Alan Daryl Daryl <laughs> we're at tracks Al removes the shirts of all of the competitors to show rope burn admiring it like so basically if you ever want to know why Kelly Kelly never ran the ropes properly this is why fucking maven like, he's got it the worst there. Looks like Poison Ivy. Just from running the ropes, like, how scary is that? I got, like, a new backpack last year, and it was, like, a big boy backpack. Like, I want, because I was, you know, I'd lost my, I was no longer driving, so I was doing the big shop by getting a big backpack, loading up on tins of beans and whatnot, and I'm walking back with my big backpack. And, like, I thought that was a good idea. And then I remember the first day after I'd done it, and I took off my shirt, and I had all, like, on the sleeves... I had these burst blood vessels because just the weight of it, I wasn't used to such a heavy weight. And I had these like, like kind of a little bit like that. But Friction only, burn. Yeah, it's the burst blood vessels on the surface and it didn't go away for fucking ages. It was like nearly a week, it felt like. Mm. So these guys are doing this day on day on day, making it worse and worse and worse. They're like callousing up, I guess. That's the kind of shit that definitely, I think, callousing comes into play. Because yeah. like, you don't see wrestlers on the main roster having those kind of sores no. from the ropes. Austin tries to run through them ropes. Exactly. Like, I'm pretty sure underneath his armpits is just like rock solid. Scales. <laughs> like. Greg goes to the doctors. So, this is when he goes to the doctors. The doctors have taken an x-ray at yeah. this point. They said that he has a back sprain and the doctor goes, you can continue a tough physical regime and Greg is like he looks a little heartbroken about that I kind of feel like he was expecting to be told to stop yeah and the fact that it's like yeah off you go he was really hoping that like the doctor wants, could make the yeah. decision for him he doesn't want like, to make that decision yeah go to the WWE HQ gym where we reveal that everyone is suffering pain and abuse and Al's like we're going to do things now let's play a little fun game to um You'll lighten everyone's mood. It's a game that we play here at the WWF. Everyone plays it, even the backstage personnel and the, the staff. Uh, it's called the Circle Game. The rules of the Circle Game, as Al describes them, are if someone sees a circle underneath your waist, you win. Yeah. No, 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 wait. No, they lose. They lose. They lose if you can make them look at the circle. But you're, you're the winner for doing that. You have to yeah. play this in school, right? Not like this. Really? Okay, tell me how you played it in, this, in school. Exactly how Al described it. You yeah. have to get someone, you have to trick someone into looking below waist height at the little circle, and that's it. Then you punch them. Yeah, yeah, that's how we used to play it. Like okay. Dead arm. Like. So you, you, there was a physical element there. Yeah, because yeah, we were boys. Like. So you punched them in the arm. Yeah. yeah. Did the girls do it in your school? 
Not that I remember, no, maybe. I remember. And what was it that popularised it in your school? Malcolm in the Middle. Yes! There was, was it? An, there was an episode where they all go out to a restaurant with Stevie's family, and they're, they're just doing it throughout the whole episode, they're just playing the circle game, and, right. and Reese is constantly getting Stevie. And then right at the end of the episode, Stevie does it, and then just like won't stop punching Reese. It goes into like full berserk mode, where he, like <laughs> throws himself out of the wheelchair and is just like wailing on Reese. Okay, because see that seems to be like I think what a lot of people's experience was, and in my school it definitely was because of Malcolm in the Middle. It never was like it was here, which is like he's seen a circle. Way lads, he's done you there, right? In they my don't school, put, only you only see Josh punching Nowinski once. Yeah, no one else punches. It's just all like oh, lads. Lads, lads, yeah, kind of Al thing. never says this is what happens. Yeah. Okay, in my school, if you saw the circle underneath the waist, you received a Mickey slap. Oh, <laughs> that's one of them, in it? Like the back of your hands? Into uh, literally the a, a knife-edged chop yeah. into the ghoulies. Yeah. Which, in an all-boys school, you can imagine this was a fucking epidemic. Oof. And this was not just, oh, a few lads in my class everyone and this is a whole school where you had like 18 year old men and 12 year old children oh. going oh shit you've seen the circle come here <laughs> you know and all these kids just vomiting you know you know in the Simpsons where Homer has the trampoline <laughs> all the bodies of the children I used to remember going at, at break time I'd come down and all you we had to have a special assembly yeah, everyone gets given cups like, no we had a Special assembly where our like we had one of those like demon headmasters who was like like you know he he knew he was like Darth Vader. It's like show me ten times in the year kind of thing. <laughs> You've done it now. <laughs> but he only, use me sparingly because yeah. when I speak, I will only speak very softly and now and then, and it'll be like it'll be really effective because when you need me then to to put the scare on them, it's a big deal. I'll get on with the admin. So most of our business was with the vice principal, and the principal literally was like the only time I saw him exasperated, and he was like, "You don't know how bad this comes across, guys." <laughs> I have to explain to 12 priests in the Vincentian Order why there are 500 young men hitting each other in the nether regions because they're seeing circles. You have to stop this. You need to stop this. And he's like, literally like, it's getting weird. Like, the, the, the Stone Cold Principal had to have the, lads, it's not fun anymore, chat. Yeah. Because it got even worse as well. Because there was a new rule, which was, if you see the circle, you put the finger in, which meant you got to do two Nick, two oh, Mickey slaps. sake. So if the, if the finger penetrated the circle... That's like a reversal then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. But there was the reversal to the reversal. Oh, no. And I got this on someone once, and it was like, I did the circle. And, they, and I went, ha-ha, you see the circle. And he went, ha-ha, and he put the finger in. And he goes, fuck you. And then I clasped the finger. Now, if you clasp the finger, you win. Well, that's just a guaranteed way. Like. Yeah, because then you get the sack attack. <laughs> this is an uppercut. Which is an uppercut, but <laughs> yeah. none of the protection of, of the phallus. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about Straight to the tiger uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> you win. <laughs> and even though I'm going, and doing my backflip. <laughs> By the second backflip, I was like, 
oh and I felt just rotten a bit too far like. so yeah when I saw the circle game this morning I, I watched this this morning with Billy on a cup of coffee I was initially like like I had a Vietnam flashback it was fucking horrible so I was worried this is what was going to happen it's like you know Greg's got a herniated disc leave his mickey alone <laughs> <laughs> so Maven and Al have a little bit of a bet yeah and it's like kind of going to a rolling kind of contest whoever is the highest number at the end is that it uh, it's the first one to get the other guy three times okay it's a gentleman's agreement and what is the the gag if Maven loses there's a big white horse statue somewhere in Connecticut that like apparently is next to a highway very busy lots of cars and whoever loses is going to have to mount that horse in lingerie and like wave at the passersby, yeah. I think. Now, Maven, of course, who's working on his drag persona, is like, say, mate, he's got no issue with that. <laughs> it's like. literally fine. He'll get me booked. Like, yeah, he'll get me booked. It's grand. But Nowinski is like egging him on. Yeah, which Al notices is like, well, I see an opportunity here, Nowinski. You're not even going to get an option. You're in this bet. You're not going to have to do the horse thing, though. I'm going to think about another thing for you to do if you lose. So they did to, to dwell on this, like, you know. And uh, Chris, of course, really puts himself over as a nice human being. I want to see one of them lose. It'll be funny for me. Will it? The heel always has to think he's justified, you see. You know, it's, it's some mind games here. When we did How To Vince McMahon for How To Wrestling, someone tweeted in like, the story that they had heard from a friend of theirs who lived in Connecticut. Because, you know, you forget this is in Connecticut where yeah. WHQ employ a couple of hundred people, like... Mm-hmm the wrestling's in the community and they're like downtown Connecticut like one day randomly this like big fucking you know fancy luxury Chrysler car just fucking runs a red light smashes like completely gets totaled and Vince just gets off dusts himself off and walks away (laughs) Bruce Wayne in the dog yeah (laughs) ah the Lamborghini dead Mr. McMahon much more subtle So, Greg and Josh, Josh about, got a big boy, little boy, big bro, little bro dynamic. Mm -hmm. Two stupid dogs. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Ain't that cute? But it's wrong! (laughs) Do it the way I want it to be done! (laughs) So, Chris and Josh have both got their girlfriends coming, and this is very much one of those, ah... I can't wait to see how this works then. Mm. You ever like see people on this show and you just really want to know like what a partner has to put up with? Yes. And Chris even says to the camera like, I've forgotten how to be a boyfriend. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not going to try. I barely even knew to begin with. Uh, I really thought Josh would be kind of like lying about having this hot babe all the time and then like he's been texting he put his own number in his phone like he's been texting himself and then like his mom comes or whatever mom you were meant to dress up like my girlfriend (laughs) Billy you had a quick little google to find out if these are happy couples still no 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 no, they are are no longer together Josh with this uh, with Jamie is her name Jamie and Chris is with Christine. Yeah. Right? But they're not together. Yeah, Josh is now with Madison Rain, who's one of only two women on Awesome Kong Shoot Interview, he said was a bitch. Oh. The other one was Raka Khan, who owes her aunt money for looking after her shitty kids. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh's aunt arrives, I think. Come on, she's well older. Yeah. That's very much a, I've seen the boy and I will make the man like. <laughs> she, she does seem like an actress because she's putting on so much drama for the cameras. Yeah. Like, I'm afraid that you won't be able to be super husband or super dad, Josh. Are they talking about What was it that the game Triple H said in episode two? <laughs> of MTV stuff enough? Are you tough enough? To, we'll, we'll talk about it in a sec, I guess. Chris's girlfriend arrives as well. 
very little interaction between these two. He's very strange around her. Mm. It's very much like the guy who brings his girlfriend to the party and he doesn't want to introduce any of his mates. Yeah. Yeah. But he feels really happy about not letting Greg have, like, a fucking moment of happiness. Like, Please not even going to fucking talk to, like, his girlfriend. As long as Greg can't have his girlfriend oh, there, I'm happy. You know, Bell yeah. end. And, of course, this is only made even more awkward by the fact that Big John Gaborik is the one who greets both of them, like... <laughs> imagine doing the circle game. <laughs> I got you! Birthday digs! <laughs> Awkward club time! Nothing says awkward club time like going to a club in Connecticut on painkillers on a weekday night with your girlfriend who you don't want to be there. Chris is just not having a good time. He's just like stood still and like she's like dancing in front of him. He's just stood steadfast occasionally sipping his beer. Mm. Not gonna lie to you, I have in the past before used a height advantage to disguise how little fun I'm having in a club. Like the person who's just kind of lower down, dancing, having a good time. They don't know what's going on up here. The weather's horrible up here. (laughs) Josh is... Pretty much being a dick to his girlfriend, though. I'm going to call it out here. Mm, yep. He's like, I get to go wrestle. I don't know if uh, if she understands that. It's my dream. Have a little bit of a chat in the car park. Yeah. Feels very exploitative or put on. Produced. Yeah. You yeah. thought this was produced? So produced. Because I was thinking if she knew the camera was on her, she wouldn't be saying... The wives of the WWF wrestlers have the worst life. <laughs> the worst life! <laughs> That's the downtrodden people on Earth. That is like. the most blanket statement ever. I mean, it's, you know, from what we've seen and what we've talked about, I mean, I, yeah, it's pretty shit. There's people who are worse off, though. Yeah, I the mean, the world. The worst life I'd be anywhere other than be a wife of a successful professional wrestler. I don't care if your MTV's tough enough or whatever. I don't know, she's no Madison Rain. She doesn't understand the business like Josh does. Al ropes Chris into the circle game. Yes. He has to bury Harvard as part of his challenge. So he has to essentially... um, What are the rules of this? He's going to have to dress up in an anti-Harvard... He has to be in his boxes and walk around Yale shaking hands and yelling about how they made the right choice by choosing Yale and that Harvard sucks. Yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah. Which means, like, oh man. Which means fucking nothing to us. Because, no. like, cause, like if, if someone was... If we lost a bet and we had to go to fucking Leicester de Montfort and say, you made the right choice, Lincoln University <laughs> sucks, it was like, yeah, fair fucks to you, like... Yeah, but I don't under, I don't understand school pride like that it's only for those big Ivy League schools yeah. isn't it like that you get really fucking funny about it like. speaking to yourselves I've watched all the Gilmore Girls like twice so I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a Yale man through and through like hello Bernsey it's your old roommate Dink <laughs> <laughs> Chris sucks at the circle game as I suspected he would yeah but Al is just like untouchable veteran like the annoying mate that you just want to beat once at a video yeah. game but they're not only are they better than you but they're proper like if I'm thinking of you here just like <laughs> beating me but then also being like <laughs> you thought you had me then didn't you no. <laughs> this is the uh, gentleman's agreement that we would all play a little Mario Kart when we're around and we wouldn't bring it up and let it uh, colour the politics of the podcast mm. this is a politic free zone Adam mm. checking at the door okay mm. a lot of controversial opinions here we 
don't need to hear about your your fucking Mario Kart engine, you know. <laughs> I played as well a Luigi. <laughs> yeah, you just had fun. <laughs> I, I, this is right. This is the friend that's got access to a color printer in two thousand and one who can do a picture with double circles. He deserves the win, Adam. Yeah, he has great. the technology. Hardcore strategy, like so. Everyone's making the signs, mm. getting them grammatically incorrect. And then Harvard Chris is like, hey, guys, what if you had one that said uh, Harvard and then uh, the mathematical symbol for less than and then uh, Yale? Uh, That'd be really funny. Implying that it was of a smaller numerical value. Little glass of sherry in his hand. <laughs> I say Niles, the nunnery games have been quite... <laughs> I mean, yeah, Chris, you're having a burn, but... I feel like he's enjoying this that everyone has to talk about Harvard. Yeah, he's the yeah. centre of attention. He is liking it. Like. it is, there should yeah. be apostrophe before the S in Yale. It's like he tells Josh off because he didn't put an apostrophe in there or some shit. Chris Dowinski, a.k.a. Clippy. Like, you know, <laughs> he's about as welcome here as Clippy is in fucking ME edition. Like... So they're making their signs, and I thought, there's a part they come to the pool, and I go, oh, that's all right, Greg's getting a hug. And I thought that maybe his girlfriend, no, he was literally stretching his massive shoulders, and it just looked like he was having a hug, but he was on his own doing stretches, and then he's on the phone going, yeah, my back feels worse today. I think that is the opposite of a hug. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is a hug? No, your back condition is significantly worse. Calls the doctor. You think you got one. One ain't enough, man. I need three herniated discs. Three herniated discs? He is just, this is the quote they use, just a beat up young boy. Jesus, that's depressing. Maybe wrestling's not for you, it's hey? Not for you, just a little boy wants to be a big boy. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Yale... <laughs> Meanwhile, at Yale, we really tried to keep all the other people, you know, busy activities. Cut, cut out these things. You know, lots of lots of craft work, busy work, essentially, mm-hmm. to get them like focused on this and not think about Greg or their own pain or whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, they're walking around. They put red duct tape on Chris's torso, and he has to walk around going, "Yale is the best. Yale is number one." Yale is best. Oh, you've done him proper there, mate. Yeah. He is loving every second of this because he's the centre of attention. Absolutely. He's putting on the, oh, don't make me say that Harvard is bad. Yale is the best. Everyone's looking at me. Oh, like, I hate this. He's such a knob. Now, I'm not saying that what we did at school was right or better, but you've got to think if he was getting the sack attack here now, this would have been a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. Huh? One swift punch to the penis. Yeah, like. right? A shairuken, maybe. <laughs> like. Or the, you know, the spinny kick. If yeah. they did that, everyone had a proper, a proper great. You could have done it anywhere. You could have even done it in Japan. It would have been fine. Like Josh says goodbye to his girlfriend, but between those boys, he's got to be thinking, Dumpo! <laughs> 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 right? Can't imagine he's very happy with, with how things are going. No, but he is teary and emotional, and you have like an emotional goodbye between them two, and then a hard cut to Chris in an interview saying like, oh yeah, I'll sacrifice my girlfriend for my career. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh-huh. I'll sacrifice her to Vince. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Vince, is there any black weddings you need to be done? Like, you know, she will do them, you know? 
I mean, I was going to say, though, the reason why I was thinking El Dumperino over here, the masked dumper, right? The reason why I was thinking this was compare and contrast Josh's goodbye to his supposed girlfriend and his goodbye to Greg. Yes. Mm. He loves Greg. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> honestly, and are you making fun? I'm saying there's nothing wrong with loving your friend. I was going to say I love you too, but I'm not going to now. <laughs> Can't even look him in the face. No, no, he's torn up. Like seriously, this is like you know when <laughs> when he's saying goodbye to his girlfriend. That's like Big Show and the Daddy's Watch. It's like yeah. oh no, she's going. That's that's bang out of order. But like when when Greg is going, that's like fake. Your dad has died of cancer. Yeah. That's the proper, and he ain't never coming back. Like yeah. that's the proper tears. He's really sad about this. He's not got the connection with his girlfriend that he does with Greg. Nope. He simply does not. Greg has three herniated discs. The doctors have officially told him he cannot go on. He says his goodbyes. It is fucking sad, lads. Yeah. Yep. Whilst that, like, whilst you get Big John saying he could have won this. I think he could have. He, he would have won it. Yeah. Like when he was brought in, there was a look and a vibe between him and Al and Big John, and it was kind of like, "Here's the ringer." Yeah. yeah. Like we we made a mistake. We overlooked. We didn't consider this guy. And the reality is, why didn't this guy get picked? It's probably you saw herniated disc and thought, "No way." And then maybe Kevin Dunlayer went herniated disc. Well, I'm a mini disc guy myself, so I don't. <laughs> so fuck, you know, what's the deal? Like, yeah, he says you know? he needs to go have spinal surgery. That's his end game here. Jesus, that's a bleak ending for his journey. I have like started compiling some research for our final volume of this, so where everyone's going. I've not gotten to Greg yet, and I'm a little bit sad and scared to yeah. trail it. Like, if he's not doing well, I think I will be quite miserable. Yeah. What did you think? Where are we at? A tough enough? Are you like? Are you where I'm at that you're so morbidly curious you have to see how it ends now and how it all goes down? Yeah, it says a lot for it, but I'm 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 more looking forward to getting into later seasons to see some Bob Holly bullying than just this sad shit. I, I'd happily watch that over this at this point. At least there's someone to hate there, there's yeah. someone to blame, whereas this is just like sad. Unfortunate a series yeah. of unfortunate events, like pretty much. Without even Jude Law to make it go down easy. Yeah. Taz in all these different disguises. <laughs> Not even the wackiness of Jim Carrey to make the medicine go oh, down sweet. Like, off. you know, everybody pretended to be a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I am at the point here now where, like, I didn't want, I, I watched Tough Enough when I was a kid. I didn't get past this point. And I wonder if there was a little bit of me that's like, this, like, no one's going to be like, yeah, that's what's the sad injury tear yeah. show. Mm. Or do you want to watch wrestling instead? Yeah. Or play SmackDown instead? That being said, I am looking forward to doing our final four episodes as well as having the where are they now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, very much looking forward to hearing from a couple of people where they are. How is your knowledge in terms of winners and where they are now, Billy? I know that because you've told me that Maven is a doorman. Yeah. Uh, a, a nightclub. That is... And then obviously know about Josh and where... Uh, yeah. Josh and Nowinski went. Mm-hmm. I know that. The rest of them, no clue. So it'll be very interesting to have a chat about these because it feels like now with when you extend your search to LinkedIn, you can really find out about these people's oh, lives. baby. <laughs> this is very much crossing the threshold of good taste, I, I think. I really want to know what Daryl's been up to. Yeah. Think he's cleaned them shorts? No. 
Find out when we return for Tough Enough Volume 4. Thanks for sticking with us. The next episode, we will cover the last four episodes, the three episodes of the season, and the one-hour finale live from WWF New York. I can only hope Billy Gunn gives out the award like, you're the winner of Tough Enough Season 1. That's pathetic. Look at my new tag team partner, Chuck Palumbo, instead. (laughs) Give it to him. (laughs) With this win. <laughs> and as always, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Tough Enough, volume number three. Season three rolls on and is finishing up very soon. As always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher Radio, give us a rating or review. Five stars, please. Get your five a day. And the most important thing you can do if you're on the Facebook or on the Twitter, facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast or at ae podcast on twitter give us a follow give us a like and help spread the word anyone you think would enjoy this show give them an old mention of the attitude era podcast and send them our way while you're on our facebook page don't forget to check out our huge plethora of videos we got on there we got plenty of clips and micro videos from episodes gone by current episodes and even little previews of bonus content from smackdown crawl and if you're a stuff and things merchant such as I, head on over to MatthewsBotchamania.com. It's better than fast food, it's stuff and things. <laughs> so you want to support the Attitude podcast and get access to goodie content for your ears, eyes, and your soul? You can do so by heading over to Patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. We're not one of those patrons that's just going to take your money and say thank you. We will do that. But you will also get a shitload of auditory content. Loads and loads and loads of episodes of Smackdown Crawl. As well as that, a whole library of video episodes where Adam and I test each other's gamesmanship. And we go and look at all wrestling books, past, present, and horribly current in the Bibliotech. Become a $10 backer and you get access to the Q&As with me, Adam, and Billy answering all of your questions. And a $20 backer, you can get access to every single commentary track we've done in the past, the present, and the future. And hey, becoming just a $5 backer for one month, you will get access to the entirety of that SmackDown crawl. There's two new episodes every month and always oodles of content and interaction, as well as love and support when you head over to patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. But until next time, when we're going to wrap up this season and all are tough enough, let us know your final thoughts. Send us a tweet or a Facebook post and let us know what you think about the final of this and where everyone went on their separate ways. It's going to be goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time on Tough Enough Volume Number Four. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's Kevin here, and I'm talking about Tough Enough on Tough Enough. Hello, this is Adam, and my cat Cuddly, according to that mug. Yeah. That's a sweet sentiment. It was given to me by uh, students, actually, when you, I was leaving. You told them the grammar's not very good. Yeah, but I didn't teach them English, so it's not my fucking deal, is it like, so? One of, uh, there used to be a tree near a forest where I lived, and people, children would come around and put Can their wishes on it. Can you just test the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't... Hello, this is Billy. <laughs> I will talk roughly at this volume. When you're regaling us to tales of but, fucking... Uh, come sit around. <laughs> and there was, there was all these wishes of what these children want. And one that always stood out to me was one kid asked for a blue furry cat. And I thought, that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he now? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Sun came up and poof, turned them all to stone. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah! laughs>